This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Welcome to The Thomas Guide. It is Tuesday. Uh, This is episode 23. I can't believe we're already at 23 episodes. Uh, You're going to hear tomorrow, that's going to be Wednesday, we're going to release at about 4 in the morning, our first interview series. Uh, And... That I look, you guys have spoken pretty loudly and pretty dang clearly of the feedback that really the bread and butter of why you tune in is to hear me and my analysis of polls and the stories of the day. But uh, I do think that there's going to be some interesting interviews later this week. We've got John Kasich swinging by. Um, we're going to interview him. He's got a new book out. Talk about that, of course, his thoughts on Trump and, and everything else. Uh, but today, I want to focus on some polling. Um, there are always polls coming out. I, I like to cherry pick the interesting ones and kind of break down what they mean and what they mean for the future. Uh, first of all, let's start with Trump's approvals. Um, it's up again. Uh, his total, Rasmussen put out, a, they do a daily tracking poll meeting. Every single day, a new survey comes out. And, uh, and that's interesting because you can really measure the buoy over time. Movement over time is more interesting than an individual statistic. Um, today, uh, May 2nd, Rasmussen has Trump at 48% approval, 52% uh, dif- disapprove. Uh, it's a n- net negative of nine. Now, <clears throat> it's not an incredible place to be in the first 100 days traditionally he sh- a president should be in the 60s however trump never he's never really had strong approvals i'm looking at the tra- approval uh the approval history and the highest rasmussen's had him at was 59 back in january um 59's a good number but that was just brief and then it um went back he seems to have been consistently hovering in the high 40s, low 50s. Uh, So Trump does need to crack 50. You don't want to be lopsided uh, in this process, but uh, he's making grounds. And the best way he can gain ground is to pass legislation that's widely popular. And speaking of legislation that's widely popular, uh, it is clear from this Rasmussen survey, another one that I saw come out today, says that voters are ready to kill the death tax. Um, They're receptive to President Trump's proposal to kill the federal death tax uh, and eliminate most income tax deductions in exchange uh, for a higher initial standard deduction. 46% of likely voters, and remember, the reason I keep quoting Rasmussen, yes, the turnout model does lean slightly to the right. I mean slightly. We're talking maybe a point or two. But the reason I like this survey versus others is they versus Gallup or whatnot at this stage is Gallup isn't using a likely voter model. Gallup's using a general population census model. So using it as a predictor for what's going to happen in the midterms, Rasmussen's one of the best. Gallup's interesting as to the mood of the country today, but that has nothing to do with the turnout and what's going to happen in the midterms. And I just, I mean, I don't really care unless it happens in the ballot box. I don't care. So um, so that's why Rasmussen's great. So 46% of likely voters want to eliminate the death tax. Um, 
which is interesting, uh, 22% are undecided, 32% oppose eliminating the death tax. Uh, now, the 22% undecided, that's really, if you're Steve Bannon or Ivanka Trump or Jared Kushner or Donald Trump, that 22% is what you need to focus on. It's how can you make the case that the death tax is a double tax, is an unfair tax that needs to be eliminated. In some cases, for people who are never going to going to pay, uh, who are never going to pay the the death tax, they're not eligible. Maybe there, you know, there's a portion of the population that uh, doesn't have a family farm or a small business to pass on to their kids, so they've got nothing to pass along. Uh, so that's going to be the the fairness argument that Trump and his uh, team are going to have to make, I would focus heavily on that. Uh, the other statistic I want you to pay attention to is the, I talk about this all the time, but it's really important. It's the right track, wrong track uh, question where, you know, I maintain that I knew Trump had a shot and that Hillary Clinton was in trouble two years out uh, before the election because... Uh, the almost 78% of Americans believed that the U.S. was heading in the wrong direction or was on the wrong track, 78%. Now, the numbers aren't in amazing right now. Today, Rasmussen has it at uh, 55% wrong track. Uh, it was in, or let's see, early March, it was at 49% uh, percent wrong track. That's still roughly a 30-point swing. Uh to the positive. So you're never going to see, I don't, I don't think you're going to see it flip, uh, where there's more right track than wrong track. Probably not. I think the nation's too polarized for that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trump could, uh, if he can turn around the economy, if he could get the wrong track in the mid thirties, if that is the case, Trump gets reelected Republicans, not only hold in the midterms, but pick up seats, carry the Senate, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so keep an eye on this wrong track number. I, I, I pulled uh, this survey from friends of mine uh, at a group called Optimus. Um, they, and, and actually, you know what? Before we get to that, back it up. I want to get to a friend of mine uh, named Justin Wallen. Uh, Justin is a Republican pollster and researcher out of Orange County. He is one of the top in the country and uh, I'm just continually impressed. I work with him a bunch. Um, he just does great stuff. He sent me off the record, or I guess it was a first look, um, and we're breaking it here on the Thomas Guide, a statewide California survey that he just did uh, where he looked into a, a, a critical question on high-speed rail, and that is, um, would you leave the money that's dedicated to high-speed rail today uh, in high-speed rail, if you had the chance, only 12%, according to Justin Wallen's survey, would leave the money in high-speed rail today. <clears throat> That's devastating. That is a terribly low number, which I think speaks to the lack of popularity of high-speed rail. I mean, besides the fact that we all understand this thing's a boondoggle, um, Jerry Brown, not only is high-speed rail underfunded, meaning it can't uh, there's not enough money to complete high-speed rail. 
So that means Jerry Brown and the Democrats are eventually going to have to come back for more money. Good luck if you're at 12% starting. You can't, I mean, you're not going to get to two-thirds what a California ballot measure requires. Um, the vast majority, according to Wallen's research, would reallocate those funds to a variety of purposes. Um, 44% said improving local schools' education after school programs. 32% said repair and build new bridges, roads, and freeways. 27% said help to fix the homelessness. Um, I mean, pretty much anything but high-speed rail. Uh, and I think that 32% number of repair and build new bridges, roads, and freeways really speaks to a priority that Republicans, Democrats, independents, we all share, is that the number one of job of government is to, number one, keep us safe, and number two, it's to maintain and build the infrastructure that we need to be able to operate as a society. And that is what Jerry Brown and the Democrats have failed to do for so many years. And now, of course, uh, Brown with a new gas tax says, uh, oh, we'll just tax you even more, Me, uh, you know, to pay for a crisis. And it is a crisis, but it's a self-created crisis. I don't like rewarding self-created crises because of Democrats' lack of inaction we now find ourselves in this scenario, and that's not fair. The Democrats and Republicans should make tough choices in Sacramento, defund things like high-speed rail and others to focus on what really matters, like roads and bridges. Uh, so kudos to Justin Wallen for for sharing this first look at that information with us. Um, always good stuff. Uh, Justin's great. I'm sure we'll have him on the, on the, uh, on the show in the coming weeks. Really, really insightful guy. Another survey, this is this is pretty exciting stuff. Another survey I wanted to go through, if I can pull it up here, let's see where the hell it is, um, is this research that's been done by uh, a data group uh, out of D.C. called Optimus, and they partnered with this other um, public affairs strategy firm called Firehouse Strategies, Basically, they did a large sample robopoll, uh, and, and robopolls have their problems, but uh, it still beats a sharp stick in the eye. And what they do is they use likely voter models. They surveyed uh, 3,491 likely midterm voters in Florida, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, which are these are the likely um, swing states. Um, with a focus on Trump's honesty, government shutdown, and how voters will respond if Trump fails to deliver on his big promises. All right, let's just rip through these because I found these fascinating. And the vast majority of vote, likely voters, 80%, believe Trump lies or exaggerates the truth. But even more voters, 84% compared to 80, think that Republican members of Congress lie or exaggerate the truth. Uh, interestingly, um, more Republicans and independent voters believe Trump never lies at 26%. Okay, I don't know if I... I uh, those people are in la-la land. But here's the deal. Voters basically think, the takeaway on that point is, yeah, voters think Trump is dishonest, but so are all politicians. They think all politicians are liars. The second point here is that 
uh, a majority of independents, 51%, believe that Trump um, either never lies, um, independence, or that he exaggerates with good intent. Okay, so the point is, all those gotcha moments that you see in the mainstream media where Trump exaggerates or lies, just depends on your on your take. Voters know that he's often lying, but the majority just don't care. I think it's become so in, uh, desensitized to flip-flopping politicians that voters, it just doesn't pack the same punch. They just look at the results of what someone's achieved. Now, speaking of achievement, uh, Trump made huge promises on taxes, infrastructure, health care, and border security. But less than 100 days in, um, he hasn't really achieved that yet. He's done a few things. Gorsuch was a huge, uh, huge point. Uh, I think on foreign policy, he's doing quite well. But he still has yet to deliver on his big tax plan, etc. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, most Republicans... And independent voters say they won't publish, excuse me, they won't punish Republicans in 2018 for failing to deliver on those promises. For example, fewer than one in 10 Republicans and independent voters say they would not vote Republican in 2018 if a border wall is not being built. Um, so one in 10, that's 10%, put, put it to a percentage, actually will hold Trump accountable. Now, uh, in a tight election, maybe in a swing district, that might make the difference. But by and large, um, if Republicans have trouble in the midterms, it's not going to be because they're it's not going to be because they're failing to pass big legislation, despite what the mainstream media will tell you. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. There's a, a, another uh, another couple takeaways here. Um, is that. 44% of those respondents asked in these four swing states um, if they have a favorable view of Trump. Uh, uh, or the, Excuse me, 44% of, of folks in those four swing states have a favorable view of Trump. 42% uh, have an unfavorable view. See, that bucks the national trends to some degree. I'll break it down. In Florida, it's 45, 41 in terms of He's on the positive. Wisconsin, he's upside down, 40 to 47. Ohio, he's positive, 45 to 40. Pennsylvania, he is dead nuts even, 45, 45. 67% of Republicans have a favorable view of him compared to 20% who have an unfavorable view. And it is almost a perfect inverse as it relates to Democrats. 21% like him in those swing states. 66% don't like him. Uh, it's that that's fascinating. I think what it underscores is that, um, by and large, voters in those critical decider states still think Trump is doing an okay job, um, and he's in a positive position. So that is, if you're if your team Trump, those are very good numbers. I would focus on uh, places like Wisconsin. Um, to see if you can you can turn those numbers around. I think some of those will get turned around, quite frankly, when he gets some legislation done. Um, so uh, 
so so that's really what you want to focus on if you're Trump. Uh, a couple of those swing states, um, it's it's too early, obviously, to make predictions for the midterms or certainly four years from now. But I think what what these numbers give us an indication of is should Trump be flipping out, pressing the panic button? If you watch the mainstream media, he should be. If you look at these numbers, meh. He just keep on keeping on. Keep doing what you need to do. You know, I said on uh, Bill Handel's show on KFI last Friday that the difference, uh, the, the reason Republicans, uh, most recent surveys have 93% of Republicans nationwide still supporting the president uh, despite not being able to deliver, other than Gorsuch, uh, not being able to deliver most of his campaign promises yet. And folks that do not support the president probably go, what the heck are these people just, people who support the president, are they idiots? What's wrong with them? Does truth not matter? Well, the truth does matter. And here's the deal. Um, like we said, I think the Optimist sh- uh, survey revealed uh, intent um, of exaggeration is uh, is more what's meaningful, um, that all politicians lie. But furthermore, Trump supporters have a longer time horizon. They know that draining the swamp, despite Trump saying on day one that he was going to do it, everybody kind of gets it, that that was rhetoric, that it takes time. So Republicans have a longer time horizon. Now check in in another 100 days, 200 days, if Trump hasn't started to deliver on killing the death tax major tax reform, infrastructure spending, if he hasn't begun to seriously do those things, then I think even his base will fatigue. So you've got to keep working as if it's you're underwater, but you do have a little time to breathe. So those are the those are the major poll numbers I want to cover this week. Um, again, stay tuned for tomorrow. That's Wednesday. We're going to uh, release our, our first interview of this interview series with Chris Whipple, who wrote, writes about chiefs, uh, presidential chiefs of staff and what they do, what the best kind of chief of staff looks like. That's really a fascinating interview. And then you're going to want to tune in on Friday. We have John Kasich swinging by and we're going to talk to him about his latest book. Uh, I'm going to ask him about Trump's approvals in Ohio because that's where Kasich hails from. Uh, Now, Kasich hasn't been a Trump supporter, so it'd be fascinating to hear his take on the matter. Thank you so much for everybody uh, for for tuning in this week. Uh, It really does mean a lot to me, and it means a lot to the the crew for supporting us. Uh, Please find us at The Thomas Guide on Twitter. That's at The Thomas Guide. You can go to The Thomas Guide uh, on Facebook. You can find me there or theteaguide.com. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and a bunch of these things. Feel free to give us feedback. We love it. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks.